I V M. He is one of the youngest member of parliament and the most outspoken parliamentarians. He's part of the rising brigade of young politicians in the country attempting to shape a new era in Indian political system. Uh, he is a blues musician. He loves technology. Uh, he's the coolest dude in town, but he's also been a union minister in defense, civil aviation, urban development, information technology, and he has multiple passions. Today, my guest is none other than Milan Devra, a dear friend and India's super politician. Really, really excited today to have uh, on my show none other than a very, very dear friend, Milan Devra. Milan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Vishal. It's been so good a, to see you yeah, yeah. after so long. Absolutely. But I've been, of course, tracking you and all your exploits on Twitter and Facebook. You've been doing a lot of things, my friend. Trying to. You just got back from this exciting trip in Sydney. We were in Sachin Pilot and I were in Sydney in <clears throat> and in Melbourne. Actually, we had gone there on like a part of a goodwill visit, not funded by taxpayer money, yeah. by the way. Every time you speak, you have to clarify yeah, that because right? people, yeah. whenever you, whenever politicians sort of put photographs of themselves doing work overseas, the first assumption is that it's funded by a taxpayer. So it's different private organizations sometimes that invite you. We were invited to to address the Australia India Institute, which is a very powerful think tank based in the University of Melbourne to meet political leaders, business leaders, the Indian diaspora. So it was very interesting. I mean, my first time down under. So, and you've been doing these trips for several years. But what I want to do is I wanted to recall literally the first time we met because you are actually possibly the first ever politician I met in my life because I was all of 21. And the last, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the best, let's put it that way. I was all of 21 and I just started my company. And again, this is the... How old are you now? Uh, 41. 41. Yeah. yeah, so we are the yeah. same age yeah. actually. Yeah, almost the we same age. We were the same age, age yeah. yeah. We met 20 years ago, you're right. Yeah, 20 years ago. When you started India Games, I still remember. Yeah, and I remember getting... You had a, you had a game or you were planning to come up with a game which was on politicians or... <laughs> yeah, we did a lot of games on politicians no, too. We won't name them, but I remember you... You had something on one of the politicians. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I'll tell you the game. It was called Mud Dan. Huh. Mud Dan right. and we had our famous Laluji in that game. That's, I remember this. I remember yeah. that. I remember that. So there was, mud or something. Right? Yeah, no, not mud. It was Gobar. Gobar. <laughs> I remember. But yeah, that was one of our most popular games yeah. anyway. But we'll talk about that later. But I, I remember during that time, you were such a curious kid, man. You had asked me so many questions. Uh, so how did, I mean, and you were at that point of time, I think you were working as an EA or what were you, you were like also I, starting. Right? I had basically just come at 21. I had just finished my studies in the US. I had worked in the US for a year and I basically came back to India. Uh, my family was, we had a family business, which my dad had set up before he yeah, got the, into the plastics, politics. The, That's right. In packaging. Packaging. And, um, uh, we basically, I had very limited interest in that business, to be honest. Although as a kid growing up, I was kind of always raised to think that, you know, you study business management overseas, come back, look after the family business. Never was I encouraged to get into politics. And at that time, this was in 99, 2000. Yeah. Um, there was the, uh, the sort of dot-com boom in India. 
And um, I still remember, you know, having been a former telecom and IT minister. And I would often laugh to myself when I became a telecom IT minister because when I was a minister from yeah, 2000… I, I remember meeting you a few times yeah, That's right. Delhi, you came yeah. to my ministry office. Yeah. And I remember when in 2011 when I became a minister and we were looking at the figures of, you know, internet penetration in India. It's so massive. And we were the world's fastest growing internet economy. But back in 2000, we barely had a few lakh internet users that too on a dial-up modem, dial which would barely network. work. Yeah. And yet companies like yours were getting valuations of $500 million <laughs> and a billion dollars. <laughs> and so I found it a very exciting time. Um, I befriended a guy named Devang Mehta, who's of no course, more. Yeah, of course, yeah, and he was the founder, actually the founding president of NASCOM. Yeah. And was really the pioneer who... Uh, you know, created, I would say, not created, but he certainly marketed the IT and IT enabled industry around the world. He was a Gujarati chartered accountant, oddly yeah, enough, in yeah. an industry filled with South Indians. And he, did an and he was a very job. sweet man. I remember he was a great guy. several yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I befriended him and then he, through him, I got interested in what's happening in India. And that's how I met people like you, Vishal. And I would pretty no, much. And, and that's what the reason. And I I'm think a- even with you, I just cold called you. Yeah, yeah. And I cold called a lot of people, you know, my the 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 Avendis guys. Yeah, yeah, Ranu and Ranu and uh, Deepak, Gaurav, yeah, and Gaurav so many Deepak. other entrepreneurs. Many of whom are still very successful. The Bazi guys. That time yeah, there's a company yeah. called Avnish, Bazi.com. Avnish. Avnish and Suvir who now run Matrix and yeah, yeah. Um, whatever the name of his other the other company is called. Um, and so for me, it was an exciting time because I could feel that there was there was something exciting happening in India. It was obviously happening in the tech space. Uh, I think for the first time in India's history, there were entrepreneurs who were sort of quitting high paying jobs and becoming entrepreneurs. Absolutely. And um, that had never happened earlier. You know, earlier you needed to, you were in the old economy, you needed to have connections, political connections, bureaucratic connections. And that's the only way you could make it. And people were the first time were actually taking those oh, and risks. I know the reason I'm and this was much before yeah. the flip cards and the snap yeah. deals The reason happened. I'm actually bringing this up is because suddenly we are talking of Startup India and this whole thing. You were in a way championing startups or helping us. You know, I remember coming to you for so many small things, right? Yeah. You know, which we couldn't do and take your help I at remember, that point yeah, of I mean, time. This was happening in 1999. So what was your interest? How did you become, you could have, you know, your dad, of course, I remember meeting your dad several times also. And, uh, you know, he was very close to, of course, uh, you know, Mr. Ambani and all those folks. So you were already in a way connected to all the industries in general, but your interest was to talking to startups. I, I liked the excitement, energy around what was going on. I liked the fact that there is a new architecture for doing business being created at the time. Uh, you didn't have to be a large family-owned entity, as I said. And to me, that was exciting. Uh, to me, the fact that people were coming from, you know, northern India, eastern India, southern India, rural parts of the country, to Mumbai, to Hyderabad, to Bangalore, to Chennai, setting up tech companies getting high valuations even though i thought it was a bubble but i <laughs> yeah, thought people I th- still think it is a bubble yeah, but, but i thought it was yeah. an exciting time i mean i th- and and i think that I, I personally you know then again i became it telecom minister of government of india in 2011 i saw that the second wave of internet entrepreneurs if you want to call it that which yep. goes beyond tech uh with the with sachin bansal and uh, Kunal, uh, Bahal and all these guys yeah, yeah. and Bhavesh Agarwal and all of them who are doing great work as well. But I think that uh, people like you, Vishal, you guys were the first generation of Indian entrepreneurs who were willing to, in a sense, um, 
create a business you know because the system was so flawed and because the architecture of india was so messed up in in the way that it was um so i still have very close friends who are people like who started out with you hmm. who were in their early 20s and they started out in 99 2000 during the first i don't know call it a dot com boom but during the first tech internet it's the first wave i mean literally the first sure, wave sure sure but i also remember that during that time there was an event hosted it was called jazz by the bay at that time or it was called just now i mean what do i know the name kept changing it yeah. was called jazz by the bay where i saw you playing oh yeah uh, your the first time i think you were playing jazz literally or blues yeah, yeah, yeah. uh so when did that whole hobby of yours started that started when i was very young but very sort of um kind of like you know i mean you you have to go to your swimming class you have to go to your guitar class it was like that so i i mean at the age of 5 i think we were forced to learn the guitar my brother and i at the age of 7 um only he dropped out and i was forced for some reason and then i <laughs> but never, then he also into into music he's into music but yeah. then i never liked the guitar because it would hurt my fingers my fingers would bleed and and my teacher who's a great man who i go and visit sometimes he's in his late 80s now he would also make me play stuff which i didn't want to play or listen to and i was getting into rock at the time so there was a there was like a band like guns and roses for wow. example and, and this was in india itself yeah yeah very much yeah. here very much in mumbai and i was listening to those kind of bands and i wanted to play that kind of stuff and i was 13 14 i was listening to queen and all these great bands and then at one point on my own I went to my mother and said can you please contact that guitar teacher who I didn't like and can you ask him if he'll teach on me your again? Own, yeah, on your own something my own. happened in school or college maybe I mean it, it was a good way to meet people and, and you were in cathedral in cathedral it yeah. was it was certainly very a good way to impress you know when you you wanted to start dating and all <laughs> it was a good way to uh, impress girls at the time and um, so I went to her and said can you connect me to this teacher again and and I met him and then started learning from him and did about a year two years of classes with him again getting the basics right then i pretty much taught myself and then started listening to more and more music kept going deeper and deeper into music uh, when i went to the us to study there i um, got exposed to another genre of music like mm. blues and which is really the But roots again, of but again you know you come from a traditional marwadi family right um, i mean i'm half marwadi half maharashtrian but i okay, mean yeah. i'm fully mumbai your as mom, i say your mom is also into bridge right she used yeah. to used to she i presume continues to play bridge she at, plays bridge and which by some, the way is a card game yeah 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 <laughs> and she's like at some very big level at where were you used to, were you in iit or were you no, no you're not i you're dropped not. i was podar you were podar, okay, of right. course podar okay. was a better college we always yeah. say so apparently iitians and people from iim still play bridge, bridge. and they are the only generation of people i know who play bridge besides my mother so that's what I'm, but i'm saying where did the creativity come from right because your dad of course you know he, he was very business and very i think she was a creative person she okay. was certainly a more creative person she um, she appreciated the art she was an interior designer she uh, but again these are all debatable things you know where did music come from he loved music also yeah. um yesterday for example mohammad rafi his son came to meet me and and we were talking about how my father was obsessed with mohammad rafi as a kid growing up so as a and we, i was telling him that even as a child growing up on a sunday we would always listen be exposed to all kinds of music you know indian classical instrumental western bruce springsteen michael jackson um so he liked music a lot much more than she did but she was certainly more creative um but again i don't know what music how how i got so into music i can't explain 
uh, but i'm i i'm very deeply into music i mean for me music is it's such a important thing that it's like i i find it hard to actually if if someone tells me i'm they're not into music i instantly i i'm not otherwise very judgmental but i instantly become judgmental <laughs> and so music for me is a big deal it's like it's like saying i, I you know if if someone says i'm not into preserving the environment i don't want to talk to that person um uh, music is like that to me it evokes a very strong feeling uh, if somebody is not into music well, no, and, and on the contrary if somebody is very into music even if it's not the music i like but music is a big part of their life uh, i instantly connect with that person so so growing up you know you of course your father was one of india's greatest you know leaders he kind of worked around all these things he was representing south mumbai constituency what were your memories of of your father because he must be doing so much work and you know what, what are your favorite memories i mean he was see he came from a generation where he was a marwadi businessman who came to mumbai with no money no family background in business and, and where, where did he come from city, he was from rajasthan from this a, a, a city called lakshmangarh in rajasthan and he came here and pretty much uh, was very entrepreneurial did quite well in business and loved politics as a hobby he actually liked public life he actually liked social work more than he liked politics till the day i remember died. what he did with the whole computers donating computers that's right, that whole that's thing right. and I, i presume are you continuing with that whole we thing? are we are but i mean now digital literacy means right, yeah. something very different yeah. you know than having a computer and a desktop yeah. and, but you're right he uh, through you know he he brought the gates foundation to india uh, they gave at that time in about 20 25 years ago about 6 million dollars which is a lot of money uh for to bhartiya devahan where my father was vice president and they basically created this massive nationwide digital literacy program no, no i i remember that that centers in manipur and all that but for him politics was always social work and again as kids growing up i didn't like politics i liked going to an i camp with him where there's poor people benefiting from free cataract surgeries i liked seeing what he's doing with the digital literacy program but i understood that you know to get to the stage of being able to execute and implement these kind of things you needed to have some kind of political support also and i didn't like the politics of it which is dealing with you know organizational issues politics between other people it's so hostile today um so for me my memory was really uh, of a father who worked very hard was very sincere about what he did was very passionate about what he did but really had very little family time also and so i never wanted to be in politics because for me politics meant you have no family life uh, you have no private personal life and that's why when i got into politics eventually at the age of 27 and i contested the parliamentary election and won even today if you talk to my closest friends all of whom are my childhood friends from school um who i've known since i was 2 or 3 or 4 years old they still are in disbelief that i got into politics because we were all convinced that politics sucks that doing something good i was good, convinced you would be doing a startup for some reason i was like maybe maybe because yeah. you were like so much into tech and you know so much into all of this yeah so maybe i mean i was more interested in those things and i had very little interest in politics but i liked the confluence of policy private sector um 
you know, supporting those in need. I still like that. That's what gives me a high in politics. No, but again, see, Mukul, your brother didn't take up politics. He's gone into music yeah. and he's doing he smart, many other yeah. things. So, so what made you take that decision? Is it because, was there any pressure for you? That no whole, pressure. You know, so look, contrary to like, for example, a lot of my colleagues who are in politics, a lot of them were pretty much told at a young age that they will get into politics by their father and mother. And they were raised in a way that they will get into politics. Politics was their dal roti, if you will, in a sense that your home depended on politics, your status in society depended on politics. We never really had that, um, if you can call it an advantage or a disadvantage. And so, so we were never really dependent on politics as the basis of your life and your lifestyle. So, and I think your father had built such a great business and all those stuff. So it was well, not I mean, like, it was a great, big, big, you know, small, it was a medium enterprise, but he basically, um, uh, Again, we, we the, the way we were, we look, we never had a caste or a religious identity based on which our politics revolved. A lot of people do have that. Yeah. A lot of political families have that. And you, your father didn't have a political background. There's nothing. No, like, sorry, and he had no background. And he's, the, you know, he's a, yeah. he's a Baniya Maharadi. It's not that it's, that's going to get you a lot of votes in Mumbai <laughs> or make you do some amazingly well. So he didn't have the advantage. In fact, he had a lot of headwinds of, because of not having perhaps the right caste or the right... Well, uh, and of course, when he was in power over here, you know, there was, you know, Shiv Shaina with, you know, Bala Sahib Thakareji yeah. and all these... I mean, it was a very different yeah. time of politics then. Yeah, I mean, he enjoyed today, relations right? with people across all parties. He had great relations with all opposition parties yeah. at the time. And even I, I've tried to do the same thing. And I really, I, I still believe that the politics in India today is, is just too hostile. It's too confrontational. Uh, it's too, you know, all of us, all political parties, regardless of party A or B, all political leaders need to take a chill pill. We just need to calm down. So, so had you not be able to up- sit in a room together, um, have a cup of tea together, chat, um, and maybe hug each other too now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it never hurts to hug and to really, you know, because and to work towards a common goal. Because yeah. I think India is, um, it has. A lot of advantages, but there are some serious concerns also. So, so let's go back to when you were 27 years old. Had you not taken up that thing and told your father, listen, you know, or told everybody, to listen, I wouldn't. My so, father didn't tell me to take politics. So, he, he, or fact, your, if your decision was not politics, what would you be doing today? I would have probably been doing something in the area of business. Could have been running my family business, which I didn't like and we sold much later. Could have been I would have taken up a job um, as a professional. Um, I might have become an entrepreneur. I might have come to you for because a job. Because you had a lot of startup ideas. No, I mean, more than that. That's why I was I was surprised. That yeah, why I would have come did... to you for a job probably. Come on. I mean, that's... No, honestly, I like gaming and <laughs> I still like gaming. Although I don't have time to, to play games. But like at least the video game variety. Can play other kinds of You were games. among the, the first politicians I knew who adopted technology. You know, you were on Facebook, Twitter, all technology platforms you adopted fast. I mean, I like these kind of things. So I, I look for me personally, I always try and remain uh, young in my head. And I think that especially if you're in politics, it's very, very important to stay relevant and to stay young. And um, my profession is is such a profession that you test market dynamics and market forces once in five years. Unlike a business where you're facing competition every on a daily quarter, basis. Every quarter, every Not month, even every, every quarter. Day. You're facing every day. You know, if my sales have gone up or gone down. 
or there's a new entrant. Politics, you really test it every five years. So it's very easy to get disrupted. It's very easy to get complacent. It's very easy to live in your own echo chamber where you're disconnected. So um, I, I, I try, I, not that I succeed 100% of the time, but I try to stay relevant and um, um, just by knowing what's going on. I'm kind of paranoid in my head about if there's a new app, if there's a new Twitter, a new Facebook, a new WhatsApp. I'm paranoid about knowing what that is. So for example, for me, this is the first podcast I'm doing. Yep. And it might be the first podcast I'll listen to, in fact, once it's out there. No, and again, right. That and is so, I, so one of the reasons when you said, Milan, will you do this? It was when you said the word podcast, um, I said, this is, it's not that complicated. <laughs> it's just ultimately an interview. It's like a radio interview. Yeah. But it's foreign and alien to me. And it's important that I know what this trend is about, how it no, works. And believe me, it's... when we said, let's get somebody who understands politics you were the first name because I didn't have to spend too much time explaining what is the podcast and yeah. of course <laughs> The Vishal Gondal Show will be right back after this break Some time ago five successful restauranteurs came together to form the Kolaba Cartel The founders of the table Gauri Devi Dayal and Jay Yusuf partnered with the founders of Woodside Inn Abhishek Hunawar Pankil Shah and Sumit Gambhir to open a new restaurant in Kolaba. If you've ever dreamed of opening a restaurant or love eating out, you want to listen in. The Kolaba Cartel. This exclusive 10-part series is hosted by Gauri Devi Dayal and Amit Doshi. Catch new episodes of The Kolaba Cartel every Monday and Thursday on the IVM Podcasts app, website, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think, uh, again, going back to, so to when you were 27, you decided it and you ended up becoming one of the youngest yes, MPs, yes, right? Or yes. was there any, I mean, of uh, Sachin now, and I, Sachin and yeah. I were both, uh, Sachin Pilot and yeah. I were the youngest. So how was it like being in the parliament, right? I mean, you know, this is, I mean, we only see it in TV. Everybody's screaming and shouting at each other. No, the, there's the there's a lot of screaming we, and shouting even when I, when we were there. So I'm just saying that when you, the image of the parliament, unfortunately, at least on TV or whenever it is shown is very, very... Well, two, three observations. One is that I never faced any discrimination based on my age. A lot of people have asked me that. I never faced... Nobody who was senior than me in terms of age came up to me and said, I mean, we were called Baba Log, um, which according to me is a derogatory term, but we never faced any discrimination in parliament. When I raised my hand to ask a question during question hour, I would always get an opportunity to ask a question. When I wanted to participate in a debate, I would always get that opportunity. For example, when the right to information bill was being passed in parliament in 2005. No, and you were one of the... I initiated the debate and which first time MPs don't get to initiate such landmark flagship debates of a government. And I got that opportunity to do that. But, so, but right now, I mean, coming or talking about RTI, you know, suddenly it looks like that whole thing has got diluted. There was a time when right. RTI was big, but right now, at least off late. See, RTI was... Weirdly enough, even before my party was in government in 2004, uh, the the BJP government under Atal Bihari Vajpayee had passed a similar bill called the Freedom of Information Act, but it didn't get implemented because there's a lot of resistance to it. Uh, The political class, the bureaucratic class don't want accountability. Just think about it. I mean, pre-RTI, pre-2005, you and I as citizens couldn't ask questions of the government. I mean, we could ask questions, but the government would say, go to hell. I don't have to answer you. And this made it mandatory 
for the government to reply to you and made the government more open, transparent, accessible. So it obviously led to some disruption. Um, but there are attempts now to dilute RTI, to take away its teeth. Um, and that's something I think all of us as citizens must fight. We must, we must oppose. We must make sure that it's a, it's a strong law. It remains a strong law. Um, and it's easily accessible to everyone. Because I think it's, there are obviously certain areas which, you know, are already, sh- which the government is, can say, I don't want to answer that. And, and you so something, if you ask something, if tomorrow you, Vishal Gondal files an application and says, I want to know about national security, something about defense, what's happening on our border with China and Pakistan, the government can refuse to divulge that information. And that's fine. Those are the safeguards in the RTI Act. But it's very important to allow people to, access government and to make government far more transparent. Because look, the old way of thinking of government was I vote for a politician once every five years and that's when that person is accountable. That's when the government is accountable. That's when I get to ask questions. And with technology, government and governance is actually changing. So as a minister of telecom IT, I also had the opportunity to lead the national e-governance plan, uh, which is also making governance in real time through the internet. So and a lot of the digital India was actually conceptualized during that time, whatever we yes. see in digital India. Absolutely. Now. Absolutely. A lot of that. Digital world. India is a, is a sort of a, a slogan that the Modi government has given to a lot of different initiatives that existed well before it. It's, it's not a bad thing. And it's, it's just, it's just a, a wrapper on it. So it's, it, no, because it, being, see, minister of IT and communication was again, such an important portfolio given where today's India's IT infrastructure is, you know, today, thanks to Geo, you know, people are all consuming high speed internet. The whole country has gone from no internet to 4G. So it is really transformed. So what role do you think uh, the whole technology is now playing? And, you know, what did you see during your time as a minister that time? I mean, so many things. I mean, technology, we knew technology was a huge enabler. We knew technology is going to allow India to really leapfrog in terms of productivity uh, because we are at par with the best telecom economies of the world. Uh, We have high bandwidth, like you said, we are about to now, we're just about to auctions 5G spectrum. Um, We have millions and millions of smartphones. So we always knew, and as a minister, I always knew that this is an industry and an area which was, going to empower India and especially the youth, especially people living in villages, especially the disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it was always an exciting area, but I think the potential of e-governance was not really sort of, I think e-governance in the last 10 years, you're starting to see e-governance coming. I think Aadhaar was literally so the instance, first step, right, of e-governance. No, 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 many other things before Aadhaar. So for example, you know, back in the day, if you wanted to get your passport renewed, or you wanted to get pages on your passport. It was the most painful process. People would come to me and ask me to write letters to the passport officer to essentially get people earlier access. And now you have this passport Seva Kendra, which has made it so easy. And that's part of e-governance. And and that's, I think, operated by TCS. Yes, that's part of my ministries when I was a minister, part of the national e-governance plan, where it's a public-private partnership with TCS. So seamless and so easy. Exactly. Filing income tax returns online. Simple. Um, earlier you had to go physically go to Aikar Bhavan fill up your form now you just fill it up online so e-governance is here to stay it's only going to get bigger and bigger yeah, but why do most people not know that this was done during your time because it almost looks like all this has happened I mean, that's now that's now you're asking me a political question <laughs> but that's that's a matter of look in politics 
and in governance, um, simply just working behind closed doors is not good enough. Communication is very, very important. And today, not just in governance, but even in politics, uh, if you're a politician, you can't just be a well-meaning, bright guy. You have to be perceived to be a well-meaning, bright guy. And that means you have to communicate effectively. So, um, I mean, I think that the, the market share of communication for a successful politician is now close to 30, 40, 50 well, percent. And I think what has changed, see, previously the world was about one-way communication, broadcasting. And I think, sorry, was, just to finish, I think that it's, it's actually not a healthy trend necessarily because I think what's happening is politicians are becoming media personalities and we are becoming uh, celebrities and not necessarily bright people who know how to apply their mind, frame effective laws, understand what the problems are. But my point is that's where today's society is, right? In the past, it was one way. There was newspaper and TV and radio and banners and posters. That's all is gone. Everybody is on Twitter and Facebook and two-way communication. You want people to be communicating to you directly because previously what your communication was, was coming on a poster or a slogan, that is changing. People want to read your tweets. People want to see your videos. So it's a very different era. And I mean, we saw what happened in America where, you know, uh, already there are claims of how social media had such a huge role in electing the president. Sure. No, no. I mean, so internet has changed politics completely. So uh, like you said, the opinion cycles have shrunk. So earlier, for example, if there was a scandalous news story in a newspaper, uh, the editorial team of that newspaper needed a day to do more homework and put part two of that story out. Debate it in the editorial room. There would be fact checks. Thus, the consumer of that content had 24 hours to digest that news and then read part two. With television, that opinion cycle shrunk to like seven hours where you'd have the internet uh, seven the seconds. scandalous story comes out at 8 a.m. And then by uh, 1 p.m. there's another part two breaking news. By 7 p.m. there's another part three breaking news. With the internet, you're right. It's not just every two seconds, but it's even in 140 characters. So someone can just say, I hate Vishal. And that's the news. And that gets retweeted 10,000 times and that becomes a reality. So what that does in a profession like ours where perception is very, very important. So it doesn't hurt a business as much. It won't hurt, let's say, an actor, for example, of a movie as much. Because ultimately, if someone... Uh, you know, trolls them or does something to them. What really matters to, for them is how well they perform in a movie. What ultimately matters to a business is how well that business does, how yeah. many products they sell, what their revenue is, what their profit is. In politics, our currency is is reputation. And so for us, reputational damage is, is a big one. Is a big and thing. You, it's very it tough long. to then to then to fix yes. that. Yeah. But you know, coming to think about it, so normally when I've had other guests on my show, they've been entrepreneurs or professionals and we tell them that how do you fail and people fail and they quit and they take other jobs. In your case, failure is also very different, right? Or like you got elected 2017, you got the second term. But in the third term, I think that, that was the third 2009. term. 2000, 2009. And then the third term, which was last time when 14. the entire 2014, all the elections were swept by BJP and the Modi wave. Right. You, of course lost the election. Yeah, I got swept so, away in the Modi yeah, Yes, Exactly. So how does a politician take defeat or loss or, you know, failure? Because here again, you don't fail for one month, like in a job or in a company where, you know, you started a company, company well, chalane, you do it's something t- else. It's tough. And it's personally, it's tough because you can believe that people have rejected you. 
and not necessarily your party and that can hurt a little bit um but you know you have to take politics in your stride and you have to know when you get into politics and i knew this when i got in because i'd seen it again from close quarters that politics is about ups and downs and ultimately i think vishal whether you're in politics whether you're in public life whether you're in the entertainment world you're a, you know actor musician whether you're a businessman entrepreneur like yourself eventually the cycle go up and down no, but i'm just saying like here it is like you have to next time 5 years before you can you know perform again while in a company in a startup in a job you're in a job you didn't do well you quit the job 2 months 3 months notice no it's very disruptive for a lot of people to be honest with you it hasn't been hugely disruptive for me so for example if you know you're a politician who is living in a sarkari home because by virtue of being a by being a elected representative and you lose the election you lose your home um you overnight. lose you lose your income source overnight and that can be disruptive that can that can create a lot of other problems so it is a very tricky profession in that sense it requires a lot of guts it requires a lot of staying power and it requires a certainly a thick skin hmm. and um it's not that's why people don't get into politics yeah. because no because, i mean you know so so i had talked to a lot of people yeah. like running a company but to answer your question yeah. it's like i treat it as the same way as an entrepreneur would by failing that you what can i learn from failure uh, so if, is there something about me that is the reason i i failed is it something not about me but perhaps there was a wave which had nothing to do with milind or with vishal but had something to do with parties and other individuals then you know those are not things which are necessarily in your control but it it helps you reflect on a lot of issues it it certainly i certainly believe my 2009 reelection was not as much of a learning experience as my 2014 loss was uh in the 2014 loss i've learned far more than i did in when i won again in 2009 no but keeping yourself motivated for a long time right which is again the challenge is that right and especially with you because you have so many ideas i think for so me look things. i got into politics at an early age and i got the opportunity to serve in parliament at the age of 27 which people don't get um and i got it by virtue of the fact that i had i came from a political background i don't i don't deny that at all and i'm grateful for that and i've tried to make the best out of that um so the fact that i got in at such an early age i was one of india's youngest members of parliament i was one of india's youngest union ministers um it means that it's okay if you have a bad cycle uh, in the long run you know yeah. when the cycle corrects itself and you get back into power you still will be but relatively but the, the interesting part about what you are doing specially is that you know again this is all what we have read is that congress party is rebuilding itself you have set up this it's a completely new party in that sense you are doing a new structure new things so it is like you are pivoting yourself in a startup terminology so how do you pivot a 100 year old i know congress is what 100 and you know way beyond what, yeah whatever 150 yeah. year old is 1885 was when it yeah. was started. so how do you pivot a political i mean people can pivot products companies how yeah. do you it's pivot it's a very good question and it's not easy i think that congress And, you ask, and you are responsible one of the key guys pivot doing the pivot. no i wouldn't say that but i would one say of the key i would say that if you ask me this is my personal opinion this is not the party's opinion oh yeah yeah but i would say um, in for a party as old as we are we are like a bohemoth we are like a tata for example in the sense that you are a blue chip company large company suddenly imagine a massive disruption hits the tata group and all its businesses for the tata group to take it's like a truck for a truck to take a u turn it really needs to slow down or to take a right turn or a left turn uh for a scooter 
it can do that very very quickly yeah. and so for us that was the challenge even for a party like bjp now as they've become a big party it's going to be very hard for them to withstand disruptions and therefore i think 5 6 7 years ago when we saw the emergence of like a regional party like aap um they were the startup they were the scooter in a sense yeah. they could maneuver as quickly as they wanted um and when they got into power they became they formed the government in delhi not once but twice and they now, could focus because the minute they got outside delhi they couldn't get the yeah, same success yeah but now success. they are a truck for example again so now again for them to move maneuver it's very hard because they're a large established party um so that's it's it's completely true of politics as it is of the private sector uh, the same dynamics are at play um and for our party i think um we realized that there were changes happening in india while we were in power in from 2004 to 2014 one of the biggest changes was the fact that rti had spread a lot of awareness social media had spread a lot of awareness people knew what their rights were people knew uh, were questioning the government far more assertively than they were 5 10 15 years ago and a lot of those were initiatives of ours and so we realized that those changes are sort of are actually hitting us because we are the party in power we were the first party in power when rti was implemented we implemented rti we were the first party in power when social media emerged um so successive governments now know how to deal with rti they know how to deal with social media we didn't know how to deal with these things um a lot of and this is true not just of india but of politics around the world a lot of countries a lot of parties who were in power when the when social media really broke through when they had a similar rti kind of law they were just grappling with dealing with that issue there was a new found awareness among citizens a, a new found confidence among citizens and um uh, it was very hard for us in spite of noticing that this is a trend and that this is potentially yeah. going to hurt us it was hard for us to take a u turn because we were a truck The Vishal Gondal show will be right back after this break. Shunya wan shunya wan shunya wan shunya wan A billion dollar acquisition another copycat startup got formed. No, the tech world in India is surely moving double the speed of this voiceover. Tune in to Shunya One every Tuesday to catch us talking to the smartest people we know on the IBM Podcast website, app, or wherever you get your podcasts from. So, between all these things going on, how did a boy from South Bombay ended up meeting Pooja from the suburbs? You know, I thought that you know South Bombay people don't. You're, you're South playing Bombay. this, not playing up you this know, whole did, South Bombay. Uh, of course, I'm not playing that up. North you know? Mumbai, right? <laughs> Even But, today, you didn't want to go to one of the suburbs to meet us. Right? <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. That's I was in the are, area. I said I was I know, in the area. I'm just saying that we are meeting no, you no, in I'm, South Bombay. I think I think the ceiling in some ways for motorists has <laughs> united the city in, yeah. in many ways, and it's 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 sort of melted away those. But so, so again, there's so much different in Pooja and Mr. Shetty. You know, movie background. Yeah, I mean, we doing, have so. we we are very different in many ways. You are right, and um, you know, I'm a I'm I'm a very South Mumbai. um you know connect and knows the business community very well in active politics um she's in the entertainment industry very and imagica the very whole well known you know, family in the entertainment yeah. industry and and successful entrepreneurs and so it was there's no reason why we should have but i mean um, so i was very surprised very frankly yeah, you know, i, I was, was variety is a spice of life yeah. and we both kind of like the fact that 
um, I think we both respect the fact that the other person works, is successful in what they do. And where did you meet first? We met, in fact, very close to here at the um, at the Oberoi incidentally at a photo shoot. Okay. Uh, India Today was doing a story in 2004 or 5, I can't remember now, but on young people to watch out for. And there were five of us on the cover. There was Pooja, myself, there was Rahul Sharma, the Santur player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was somebody else who I can't remember yeah. now. And um, we were on the cover. It was about youth. And uh, that's how we met. Wow. So you can at least give the press the credit for I this. Do. I always tell people at India Today that on a good day, I give you the credit. On a bad day, I blame you. <laughs> <laughs> and how does Pooja take this? You know, I mean, of course, she's non, non-political completely. So how do you manage? She's as all right. A- she doesn't, she's not into politics at all. She doesn't really know what's happening in politics. Um, she doesn't, the good thing is she has no expectation from me. I have no expectation from her. We both do our own things. Um, and, uh, you know, she knows as much about politics as I know about her industry, very honestly. And I think that's what makes it fun and interesting because when she tells me about, um, you know, a movie or a, a, a song or a, or a certain actor even, or a certain director who's doing really well. And I probably haven't heard of that person. Uh, it's refreshing to learn from her. And similarly, when I'm talking about politics and she's like, who is that? I've never heard of that thing. And it's, so, so it's, so it's nice to have different backgrounds. And um, well, again, again, it would be very boring if I was married to someone who followed politics or, um, you know, in whichever way, or I think for her also, if she was with somebody who was in the entertainment industry, it's refreshing that we don't, we don't know what, the hell the other person no, no, talking you about. You certainly make an amazing couple because, you know, you have, uh, you have United South Bombay as well as the, you know, the suburbs, which also kind I of. I don't, you know, I don't <laughs> believe in this divide, actually, although people make it. They well, you this. are the MP, you are the MP of South Bombay. Yeah, you I'm have to a... come in parliament and give a clarification on this divide. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a divide. I think that, I think that it's overstated and it's, it's overestimated. I think that, you know, well, the I, funny thing is, I, I now I, consider I, that, uh, I live in South Bombay because Chembur has got connected with that Eastern Freeway. But you know, Vishal, what the problem is actually, it's not a cultural divide. That's what people misunderstand. It's actually because of poor transportation links in the past. It used to take so long. It was yeah. very tough to go between the two places. Now nobody blinks so an eyelid yeah, to can, go. I reach from Chembur to NCPA nineteen minutes. Yeah. So if you're Sunday a motorist, morning, even yeah. if you're even you know once the metro is ready, if you want to use public transportation, also it will be much much easier. Um, so it was really because Mumbai had. Well, all I'm saying inter- is that you need to at some point of time answer this important question because many stand-up comedians, many movies are Make just fun making. Of it. I know, I know. Making fun of it, and there's nobody yeah. better than I mean, you. People two. have asked me this question, but I don't. I, <laughs> I, I don't think that there's a cultural divide. I think that there's a there's a infrastructure divide. And I think that infrastructure divide is an interesting point. I think that's, that actually is, does exist. So for example, now we're in the monsoon season. If you look at potholes, which is a big issue in Mumbai city, you'll find tons of potholes in the suburbs, but you won't find potholes in yeah, on why? marine drive. Why is that? And I like to take credit for that, obviously, <laughs> but it's not, it's not really me, but what it is, is that because the same, the same cars come here. It's yeah, not like so, different so cars. So quote unquote, by the way, I'm, I'm quote, using my fingers to say that, but South Mumbai and parts of South Mumbai, not all parts of South Mumbai, but certain parts of South Mumbai, like Marine Drive is considered by authorities, certainly not by me, but by authorities as a VIP area. 
there are big industrialists living here. There is the B- municipal commissioner lives next door. The BMC office is there. The police commissioner works there. The chief minister of Maharashtra lives there. So why don't here. we just move their houses to the suburbs? I wouldn't want that to happen because in this area. <laughs> of but no, but what it does highlight is that it's an interesting, serious point is that it does highlight the fact that if the authorities and if the municipality wants to fix the pothole problem, they can fix it. So what that means is there's something wrong happening in areas where you have potholes. That means that yeah. the contractors are using substandard material. It's a, it's a good experiment to prove that. So my point is you've been a union minister. You've been in all parts of politics. Why somebody like you can't fix it? Who can? How can an ordinary citizen like me do anything? If you are saying this... Look, I'll tell you this. How do okay, we fix look, this? Here's how I think we should fix it. And my first question to your listeners, to you, is if I ask you who the mayor of Mumbai is, would you know? You wouldn't know, right? Mayor of Mumbai, do we have a mayor also? Exactly. So yeah. that's my point. And that's the heart of the problem. As someone who's been in politics now for 15 years no, and has represented Mumbai, no, I really believe this, Vishal, that, and this has nothing to do with party A or party B. Regardless of which party is in power, the problem in Mumbai city is that there is no governance. So what happens is when there's a flood or when there's a fire or when there's a terror attack, you know, we, you know, what we all do is we get angry, we make videos and songs and candlelight vigils and troll and, you know, get do all these things. But what we're really angry about is our own ignorance. Yeah. Because we as a citizen have failed ourselves. We as a citizen have failed to put pressure on no, but my authorities only point to is govern that, us. That a question and, and I say that and the reason mm-hmm. I'm talking about this mere point is what cities around the world do. If you look at London, for example, if you look at a New York City. When there's a terrorist attack, when there's a flooding, when something goes wrong, the person who is out there assuring the citizens that things are under control yeah, Sadiq is, like, is, yeah. is the mayor of that city. Not the chief minister or the governor of New York state who will come and assure the citizens of New York City. It's the mayor of New York City. Not the prime minister of England. It will be the mayor of London city. And like when I asked you that provocative question, people in Mumbai don't even know if we have a mayor. We don't even know who the mayor is. And that's where the I just pa- know there's a mere bungalow somewhere for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's where I was born, by the way. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not in the bungalow, but when my father was mayor. Okay. Uh, and um, so the, 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 the mayor, the problem is that the mayor has no powers in Mumbai city. The real problem is that, that the mayor is a nominal head. It's a titular head. It's like the president of India. No, but like my question is somebody, whoever has the power. Why are no, like- whoever, the, the, nobody has the power. So power is segregated between many authorities. So if you look at Mumbai and you look at the authorities that run there's Mumbai. BMC, there is there's BMC. There's BMC, there's the police, there's the railways, there's the port trust, there's MMRDA, there's the state and road transport corporation, which runs the Bendrabali ceiling. There are multiple agencies coming under multiple governments. No, but you know, so again, Milan, this is the new generation, right? Today, what we see is what Mumbai are, needs is no people are tweeting elected, to Sushma Swaraj and saying, "Oh, I have lost my passport. I am stuck in the middle of nowhere." Who would they tweet to if something goes wrong in Mumbai? Let I me mean, ask you. I have tweeted Fadnavis Sir so many times, but, but Fadnavis Sir is a um, is the Chief Minister of Maharashtra. He cannot possibly run so Mumbai. So who do we also. tweet for Mumbai? The problem is you don't have anyone to tweet for. Okay. You don't, that's why I'm going to tell you how severe the problem is and what the solution is. I'm so giving Mumbai you a solution. should become a state. The solution when people say there's corruption, there's this, there's that, we need to change this party, bring that party. That's all rubbish. I have heard this thousand times. I've seen it from inside. I'm telling you what the solution is. The solution is Mumbai needs a directly elected mayor. No, but the way it, should, it looks to be is that the solution is get another politician there. 
and then that's, that's say, a short term solution because then that that politician even if that politician is well meaning bright capable will not be able to deliver because the system is broken okay so it's basically the solution i'm repeating is to have a directly elected mayor somebody who the city can elect at a city wide level right now the mayor of mumbai vishal is one of 227 municipal councillors that 227 wards have elected mm-hmm. he doesn't have a vision for mumbai he or she they have a vision for one small no, but ward but i'm saying changing that election of mayor it's is very possible. simple it's as per the constitution it's permitted it's a word called devolution Mm-hmm. which means give power to the local authorities today if you go to a village so so let me put this back i'll answer you if you hmm. go to a village and you go to a panchayat panchayat ya sarpanch is panchayat the... who is the boss in a village not the chief minister the sarp- if tomorrow sarpanch. you you and i are living in a village and you have a problem you're not going to tweet to fadnavis sir as you call him yeah you will tweet to the panchayat <laughs> you will tweet to the sarpanch he is in charge he is empowered the sarpanch equivalent in mumbai is a mayor Yeah. but the mayor is not empowered you don't even know he exists see, you don't know what is the best is. thing milan you should see whenever i use words with politician sir g etc means i don't know them that well but with milan you are milan right that's why <laughs> you are on my show and you not call yet. me also milan but, sir yeah, yeah. <laughs> modi ji modi yeah. ji yeah so these are people you know of course they are sure. great people but sure. yeah sure. so again going back to this right so okay we elect a mayor and all of that but coming back to 2019 that's the big showdown Uh, possibly in the whole world uh, india's biggest democracy going to vote uh, what is the pivot what is the new product you are cooking together with rahul gandhi and the whole team I what not, is i honestly like i'm being dead honest with you i'm not really uh, aware of the details that are going on there i'm not part of some rebranding team if that's no, what I'm you think no i'm not rebranding yeah. i'm talking of the no I, i mean i think that what the party is trying to do is just i guess trying to come up with a narrative to the narrative that exists today um and i think ultimately the the voters will have to judge what what they want um and i guess for the congress party it's very clear that uh the congress party cannot just criticize the party in power and expect people to vote for them they have to present an alternate product and that's what the party seems to be working towards and uh, you know if Again, normally my question Simply is saying, to, you know, your competition is bad. So normally my question to the guests is that, if, what if you were the minister of India? What would you do? So my question to you has to be the opposite. That if you were a citizen of India, what are the five things you will look at for electing whoever is going to be coming next? What are the five things? If I have to vote in my constituency, what should be the five things I should look for? Because I think, see, it's an forget party. Forget it's an party. interesting question. I would say one thing, Michal. It's a very, it's a very good question. I'll tell you why. Because. Again, I don't want to make this about Congress, BJP. No, I'm not. I'm yeah. just saying. No, I'm that just telling you. Just help me. No, I'm know? just telling you by my own experience. Again, as an observer of politics, not not as a congressman or anything. I think what happened in 2014 was the the Modi wave, as you said. What it did was, it it made people voters overlook candidates, and what they did was they said, "I'm ignoring who that candidate is." and i am just voting for mr modi and in voting for narendra modi what has happened as a result of that is today the quality of parliamentarians has come down drastically um mps are people who have criminal backgrounds they are people who don't have the ability to participate in debates in parliament they are people who have almost not all of them but a lot of them have close to no knowledge of issues like foreign policy which impact india what should our policy with china be for example 
on issues relating to economic growth, on issues relating to manufacturing, creating jobs, issues that really matter to India. Um, because we just ignored the candidate and we voted for Narendra Modi as Prime Minister. And I think now in 2019, it's very, very important that we bring quality people into parliament. But isn't that normally you always say it's the leader who's most important to people saying, let's get the right leader and hope that he will bring It's the- true. So you need a balance between a national narrative and between a local narrative. So you're saying I, I would in, say, in 2014, the, I would say very, very so, skewed so I, towards I would the- say you need a healthy mix of both. You need a healthy mix where even though the MP doesn't really constitutionally have the powers that say a municipal councillor does or an MLA does to solve local issues, the MP still has relevance in representing a particular constituency. So, so what, are we, what will be the three, four things? So I, I would say at. you need to, you need to balance. So first you're a, saying criminal record. Of no, course. no, no. I would say you need to balance who is a good candidate um, for a parliamentary election, who is someone who can represent your interests well, who's educated, who stands for something, is someone who's accessible, um, is someone who has the right ideas for a particular constituency, someone who is a rural constituency, who has the right ideas to represent farmers' interests? Urban constituency who has the right ideas to represent a cross-section of people living in a city like Mumbai. Could be the urban poor, could be people living in slums, could be people living in chawls, could be people living in housing societies, could be businessmen, could be entrepreneurs. So you need, you shouldn't overlook the candidate. And at the same time, think of what that national narrative should look like in India. So would you be happy with the narrative of the last five years to continue? Would you want a fresh narrative? Those are things that you have to debate. So I would say these are the two things you should keep in mind when you're debating. And so deciding you're saying look at the candidate who's there on the ground and as well as look at the narrative. What or the national to, narrative. The national yeah, narrative. I think last in the last election, we pretty much ignored local issues and just looked at the national narrative. And today it's time to obviously judge whether that national narrative has delivered or not. Um, and if it hasn't, then what are the alternative na- national narratives? And again, look at uh, the local level on the ground who best can represent me. So you, you have to be selfish also. You have to think local as well as national. That's the that's the bottom line. Got it. The Vishal Gondal Show will be right back after this break. Did I just catch you on your way to work? Or did you end up pulling an all-nighter? Let me guess. You have a packed schedule for the day, the week, and probably the month and the year. That's a lot for your mind to handle, don't you think? This buzzing chaos also brings tons of negative thoughts. Am I right? Try spinning that bottle in a positive direction with me, Chetna, on the Positively Unlimited podcast, every Monday on IBM Podcasts. It's time to change your life one alphabet at a time. So also you've been in this profession, which is considered, you know, the most untrustworthy. I mean, not particular to you or anyone in general, politicians are considered all the negatives in the world is associated with politicians. How do you think that image can change? What will make a consumer like RTI was there to make the government transparent? How can politicians become you know, more Vishal, I don't think that image is people are always going to have a healthy uh, sort of uh, suspicion skepticism with politicians. And I think that's not a bad thing. I think in a democracy, um, it's not unhealthy to be skeptical of politicians. I think good democracies, um, it's a sign of the times that we should trust our politicians, but we should verify. Uh, You shouldn't be anarchic in the sense that I hate politicians. I hate government. I'm not going to vote. That's anarchy. That doesn't help anyone. Um, 
and as i said you need a healthy mix of trusting them um but at the same time a healthy mix of holding them accountable so so i think but at some level what's also happening a trend which is not just true of india but around the world with social media perhaps people have begun to what's happening is every 4 5 years every election cycle you're seeing a government come in with a massive majority and then get thrown out with a massive majority um the churning period and the turnover rate is very very high and that's because we as citizens are not being patient enough and i think at some level we as citizens also have to learn to be patient we have to learn to be realistic like in this mumbai example we think you know if this politician isn't delivering this party isn't delivering let me switch to party b and politician b and something will happen that person has a magic wand it doesn't work like that so i would say it's healthy for us to it's unhealthy for us not to trust politicians um but it's also unhealthy um for us to blindly trust them there has to be a a balance between the two so talking of healthy and unhealthy what are not the, as healthy as no, you no, for sure what are the healthy habits you have taken up uh, over the last few years compared to before i know you did there was some football you used to be something on the football I mean, that's front. not that's not me yeah. playing football yeah, that's but just i presume you also played a little bit no football. i don't play i actually i don't play any sport unfortunately and i don't really follow that much of sports i i mean for me music is my hobby and i invest all my energy that i have outside of my work but i go to the gym and other places for i sure. i train a few days a week so i'm not very regular i i would say i'm reasonably regular about training twice a week um but i'm fairly irregular about doing one day of cardio a week mm-hmm. and sometimes you know when it doesn't when it's not raining in mumbai then i try and swim uh, that kind of thing but i don't i'm not very so, so being a politician i don't eat i don't eat healthy yeah. i don't uh, i remember the sandwiches in your office i love yeah, them I every that. time i come there we order those sandwiches that's right? right but i don't eat healthy at all unfortunately that's that to me is a serious concern yeah, you got these cheeselings for me specifically and i was like i i stopped eating yeah, but you become very healthy no you i mean i'm trying let's put it that way <laughs> you lost so much weight and no, no, i'm still trying with gokia yeah, that's um, yeah does that keep uh, keep you in check yeah yeah absolutely not only me we have a whole team of people keeping me in check yeah. So uh so on the health front you are saying you're just doing the normal stuff I'm doing the but nothing's changed and do you sense, read a lot is our book something which excites you know not so much in the last 5 6 years to be frank i mean i i was a you know i loved reading i mean back in the day but not not so much now and, and since music is so big who are your favorite artists uh i mean many people who you would have heard of and would have never heard of probably but honestly i know this can sound cliche but i actually like almost all genres of music i even can deal with a little bit of edm like techno oh. music a little bit uh, i can't listen to it on my phone or something but um, if it's playing there and there's something interesting happening i can listen to it but i would say i i for me music has to mean and again now this is a debate but it has to mean you have to play an instrument uh i've still i'm i'm slowly getting around the fact that being a dj is actually an instrument yeah. uh i'm not fully there yet but i'm i'm not being elitist about so, it and so saying so are you then so so when you make decisions is the musician in you taking a decision or the politician in you taking a decision in decision in music you mean in anything politics? in anything in life who is the one who is more in- i think musician in me i think the musician in me i ultimately i have to do something from the heart i can't i can't do it from um, from any other part of my body i mean it has to be 
So the politicians are not the heart. The musician is the. Heart. I'm not saying politicians are not the heart, but for me, politician is the brain. Uh, the, my brain is, in a sense, the politician. My heart is the musician. So I try and do things from the heart. I mean, obviously, in life, you have to do things which you 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 don't always get to do things that you really want to do and are passionate so about. So if you had to create a rock band or a band with only politicians playing the music, who would the who would those politicians be? I, I don't know many politicians who play. <laughs> or who would you like to play? You know, there's a funny joke. Once there was this when in 2004 when when we were in parliament, uh, there was a friend of mine from the BJP uh, who was an MP with me, Manmendra Singh from Barmer, Rajasthan. Uh, very sort of you know arid the the desert desert region of India, and he had some interest. He liked to play. Uh, he knew how to play a little bit of the guitar, bass, I believe. And another friend of ours and a colleague of ours, Tathagat Satpati, who was an MP from Orissa, and he played a bit of the drums, I think. And we actually had a joke that we should start a band and call it MP3. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, besides that, I haven't met. Um, I I don't really know people who play. You know, a good campaign video for you would be. You know, be, weirdly enough, yeah. weirdly enough, actually in the northeast of India. Yeah, there are a lot of people play um, amazing. So you've heard of Shillong Chamber Choir, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So Shillong Chamber Choir, I kind of, I won't take credit for discovering them, but Nirupama Rao, who was a foreign secretary, yeah, yeah. she told me about them and she's saying, Milind, if you can check them out, if they're a good quality band, we'd like to get them to perform for President Obama when he was in India. Mm-hmm. And I actually went to Shillong and Mukul Sangma, who was the CM, Chief Minister of Meghalaya at the time, he arranged a dinner for us with the Shillong Chamber Choir and they started singing, playing Neil and all these guys. I know them really hmm. well. And for me, it was more of a Ricky A&R kind of thing just to see if they're a good band that can come and on behalf of Nirupama can come and play, perform for Obama. And suddenly within two hours of hearing, one and a half hours of hearing them perform, before you knew it, Mukul Sangma, the chief minister of Meghalaya and I and the band. We were all jamming. We were jamming. We were playing the guitar. We were singing. We were having a few drinks. And so the Northeast is a unique place. And yeah, and music of, is in their blood. Yeah. So my friend Gaurav Gogoi, who's also from Assam, he always tells me, he says, Milind, if saying you would be like a huge rock star in the Northeast because there you're expected to, according to him, to know how to play music and to play the music that I like, weirdly enough. No, no, absolutely. And you know, as Goa I said, is I, also like maybe that next anyway. time we want to see our politicians a little, you know, letting their hair down, playing music, maybe in I parliament, you should, let down, yeah. maybe you should have a parliamentary band or at least the parliamentarians performing in one of the sessions. Because as I said, otherwise looking at that TV, maybe, those sessions maybe. are a, it used to happen back in the day, you know, actually when, when I got to parliament and I would meet some of the veterans, they would tell me that 20 years ago in the eighties, nineties, even my father would tell me. That at that time in Delhi, they would have musical evenings where people from different parties during a parliament session, in spite of having a very, uh, you know, difficult, tough debate in parliament would actually get together and have musical evenings, Kawali evenings, um, Ghazal evenings. And that doesn't happen now. Now yeah. it's so that's unfortunately, that's yeah. a sign of the times. You know, it's, it's we've become very confrontational, as I said. Uh, what is the last piece of technology you bought, which is under 10,000, which you use very often? Under 10,000 rupees? Yeah. Probably, or not technology, anything which is under a 10, USB 000. drive or something. No, but that must be long time back. No, I mean, that's besides that. What have I bought? I have something with technology, which is it may not be technology. Anything under ten thousand bucks, which you use a lot. Probably a shirt. A shirt. Yeah. <laughs> no other piece of stuff which you use every day. Um. Do you have any life hacks? Not really. No. No. 
But let me think, have I got something in tech in the last few months? No, I haven't actually. I haven't. Oh, that's crazy. I'm uninteresting in that sense. <laughs> actually, yes, I would say I have brought, bought something in tech, but it's relating to my guitar. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I, so I got a guitar tuner because what I did was, it's hardly tech. It's very, very low tech, in fact. But um, an electronic tuner. Yeah, an electric tuner, which you clip onto your guitar. Uh, I mean, you have, I have a tuner app on my phone. Okay. It's called Guitar Tuna, like T-U-N-A, like the fish, tuna. but it's like tuna. Okay. Uh, play on the word tuna. And, but this is just a tuner you clip onto your guitar and then you can, it, yeah. it helps you tune it. So, so that I bought for a few thousand rupees. So yeah. you were an MP at 27, union minister shortly after that. Next elections is coming up. But where do you see yourself 10, 20, 30 years down the line? Are you going to see you as PM? Hopefully, some hopefully alive. And as a PM? And, no, honestly, hopefully alive. Uh, 10, 20, 30 years down the line, and I'll and I'll be happy if I'm alive. I don't really plan too much. No, about you're going to be alive. That don't worry. Yeah. We can put you on Goki, and I can then make yeah, you, you alive. I need that to do that. Problem. I need uh, you've you've given me a Goki actually uh, variable which I haven't used yet, and it's lying at home. We need somewhere. to send you a new one. A uh, new one, by the way, comes with blood pressure monitor. In oh wow! It. Yeah, please one. do that. Please, I, re- I really would like to use it. Yeah. I, you can see I don't wear any exactly. watch. So we'll so. get you on that. For this sure. will be my next watch. I'll market it and promote it. But I just see myself, Vishal, I don't, I can't say where will I be in politics? What will be my because role? Because the only thing from here is that, right? I mean, you've already become no, a I don't, minister, I don't think right? it's like that. I think that I'm, I'm, I personally believe in politics. I've got a lot at a young age and I'm being very patient about it. I'm not in a rush. Um, I think God's been very, very kind to me. I'm happy in spite of not being in power. I'm not obsessed about being in power. A lot of people I know who so, lost so, so power. Given all the music and all the things you have, why don't you become the culture minister next time? And help change the culture first of First, we have to country. come to power, then we can debate those those things. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good answer. Yeah. But let's assume you come back to power. What what would be the thing? I don't do? know. I can't say that. <laughs> I like. I mean, I like uh, areas. You know, where you can re- like, for example, when I was telecom and IT minister, I did a lot of interesting things. But when I was shipping minister, um, an interesting thing that I got to do was, I at one point I discovered that the shipping ministry, government of India, operates. Um, 180 lighthouses around the country. Wow. And which are functional lighthouses, mind you, which are actually used as navigational aids for ships. And I asked the department, how many of these lighthouses are open to tourists? And none were. And then I thought to myself, you know, there's so many countries in the world, like in Europe and all where people, the tourism is built around lighthouses. And we have such stunning lighthouses in Kerala and Tamil Nadu in Mumbai, right away yeah, from yeah. the coast of Mumbai. There's a lighthouse yeah. called Kanoji Angre Lighthouse. Beautiful lighthouse. Oh. Um, and I actually created a lighthouse tourism policy, which Mr. Gadkari is now taking forward. Wow. Um, so I like to do things like that. I like to sort of, in when I was in government, I like to think of things that people aren't thinking of based on my tribal, my experience, and see if they can be implemented in India, if they're sustainable, and do those kind of things. So... I can't really predict what that could be. It could be culture, could be a economic portfolio, but I can't predict what that will be. But one thing I have to say, Milin, that, you know, knowing you for such a long time, you've not changed a bit. You have the same energy, the same idea, the same excitements. And I just wish that we have more people like you take up politics, because I think part of the problem in the country is that we don't have people as smart of no, Maybe you should have. consider it. You should. <laughs> well, all I can tell you is that right Maybe now we I'm can busy change making roles. India healthy. That's pretty. Uh, so, so that's, that's that's part of politics, right? That's that's politics. No, for now, what you're doing, you're just making a lot of money. You'll 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 make a lot of money on the side, but 
that's part of politics that's a job of a politician essentially to make people healthy absolutely you're just you're doing what the politicians and the public sector fail to do no well as i said you know certainly that's something we'll look at later but for now a pleasure to have you on the show Likewise, it's been quite a great conversation it's been fun and catching up with you with uh, a microphone in front of us <laughs> yeah and, we were yeah, on record at yeah, least at this time yeah. but uh, we should catch up soon and all the best for 2019 congratulations thank you and congratulations with your podcast no no it's been fun and thanks a lot doing really well so keep it up thanks a lot milan It's AVM here. Let's go. With AVM kids on the block over here. Just the talk, taking a break from producing all day. Coming on this podcast cuz we got stuff to say. AVM Daily is the name of the show. Monday to Friday we ready to go. Talking about stuff in our head. We might even talk about our favorite bread. Signing out. It's AVM here, the podcast network that's in your ear. Catch IBM Daily Monday to Friday on the IBM Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Give me a word. Ya koi bhi line. Kuch bhi ho sakta hai yaar. Kya kaha aapne? Topi. Okay. Mohan Joshi hated wearing topis. He felt suffocated in them. टोपी पहनते ही उसे स्कूल की याद आती थी वेर ऑफकोर्स ही हैड नो चॉइस बट टू वेर अ टोपी वह जिस दिन पास आउट हुआ उसी दिन उसने अपनी टोपी का बॉनफायर बना दिया एंड सिंस देन ही नेवर वर्न अ कैप और अट ना कड़कती धूप में एंड नॉट इवन टू बचो फ्रॉम द ठंडी बट फ्रॉम मंडे ट्वेंटी सिक्स फेब्रुवरी मोहन जोशी हैड टू वेर अ टोपी ऑल द टाइम वाई बिकॉज इफ ही डेंट Everyone around him knew exactly what he was thinking. They knew that he was wondering how the girl in the yellow churidar would look without a hat. They knew when he was calling the boss a sadela tomatoer. They knew everything. But how did it happen? Hey, brother, this is the story. And this story you didn't give me by giving me the starting word. This is the Crocs tales. Words are for you. Stories are for you. Catch the stories on Monday and Thursday on the IBM website app and anywhere you get your podcast from. See you soon.